On today's episode of the Gaucho 9 Podcast, we recap opening weekend in Surprise, Arizona. Gauchos go 2-2, two and two, two wins against Minnesota, losses against New Mexico and Oregon State. We have highlights from the weekend. We have pregame interviews with Donegal Fergus, Nick Oakley, and Jake Savidra, athletic trainer Jake Savidra. Hope you enjoy those. And then we have UCSB Analytics stopping by to uh, introduce Devin and Isaiah, and we'll make our picks for players in moments of the week, just like we did uh, a couple years ago with David and Spencer. So we're going to bring that back. That's going to be fun, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the new stuff that uh, analytics has um, and is using at the field with the Gauchos. One public service announcement here. All this rain that is coming to Santa Barbara, I'm sure you guys are uh, well aware that it's going to be pretty wet this weekend. We put it off as long as we could, but we are moving the games down to Arizona. So we're going back to Arizona to play uh, three games against the Ducks. Stay tuned to Instagram, Twitter, and the website, UCSBGouches.com, for more information on official announcements on where we're playing, start times, all that sort of detail. But we are not playing baseball in Santa Barbara this week. So we're going to have to push opening weekend to the following weekend against Xavier. Uh, disappointed it's not going to be here this weekend, but three inches of rain between Thursday and Saturday, and it just it wasn't going to happen. So we're going back to Arizona. Uh, we are playing the Ducks. Um Stay tuned for any uh, further information regarding that. Okay, uh, this episode brought to you by Kyle's Kitchen. Check them out. Hollister and Kyrial and Galita and Chapala Street, downtown Santa Barbara. They are fantastic. Uh, just great people, great food. Get a burger, some fries, and a beverage, and enjoy yourself at Kyle's Kitchen. All right, let's do it. It's the surprise opening weekend recap. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. Here's the one strike pitching. Mitchell belts this to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. And Curley pulls back the home run, and the Gauchos are going to win the game. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? Borgonio is back. He's going to turn and watch this one fly. A two-run homer for Clausen. And the score is due. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. Willits will make the catch. And the Gouchers are 2022 Big West champions. Brett Bateman last year, second on the team in batting average at 312. Started 52 games for the Gophers. Next pitch. That's strike three called on the outside corner. And that's how this season begins. A backwards punch out for Mikey Gutierrez as he gets Bateman looking. And there's one down. Thinking about striking out the side here. Top of the second inning. One to nothing, Golden Gophers on a first inning sacrifice fly. 2-2 pitch is swung on and missed. And Gutierrez climbs the ladder and strikes out the side here in the second inning. Good bounce back for the veteran Gutierrez. He's allowed two hits. They were both soft hits, but they set up a sacrifice fly. Here's a softly hit ball. Pass the dive of Darby. It's gloved by Nunez on the backhand. And he flips it over to first base for the out. And that's 
the first example of why Corey Nunez is playing shortstop here in game one of his freshman season. Because that was a tricky play, a little bouncing ball in between the left side of the infield. Next offering, lined right field line, that's fair. That might score three runs as it goes all the way to the wall. Oakley heading to third, here comes the relay and it is not in time, a bases clearing triple for the local boy, Nick Oakley gives the Gouncers a 3-1 lead. A one pitch is lined to left center, that's gonna split the gap. Darby heading to third, he's being waved around as Bateman gets it in. The cutoff is dropped, it's an RBI double for Bradauer who's got a pair of hits here in his Gaucho debut, including that RBI double. And this one ripped to left field. Going back, Merrilla, he's looking up, and this one is out of here. A solo shot by Bredauer ties things up here in the bottom of the seventh. Have a Gaucho debut, Ivan Bredauer, three for four. And he is a triple short of the cycle. This might be his pitching debut for the Golden Gophers. First pitch, first pitch swinging is Oakley, lines it over to left field, and the left fielder, Merrilla, can't make the catch. It's up over his head. Oakley hustling around second. He's going to put on the brakes. RBI double for Oakley. Gauchos take the lead. One ball and two strikes. Barrett to the plate, is hit slowly to first. McCollum gonna go to second for one. Nunez will throw to first with Barrett covering, but he couldn't find the bag. Oh, and now they're gonna call base runner interference with the runner sliding into second base, and that's gonna end the game. Umpires are coming out. And they confirm the call. Base runner interference at second base. That's a first to end the game and the Gauchos win their first game of the season here at the Sanderson Ford College Baseball Classic. Nine to seven over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Outfield is deep. Sebring shaded towards left center. Here's the pitch, foul tipped, hung on by Parker. And Ager strikes out the side here in the second inning. He's got four consecutive strikeouts and looks great out on the hill. We'll go to the last of the second, still no score. Nothing in two. And apart from that walk in the first inning against McCollum on four pitches, Lively has been solid. Here's a line drive, right field line. It's a fair ball down into the corner. Latrey with good speed, heading to second. He's gonna stay there. Runyon was playing deep, got to it quickly. But it's a double for Latrey McCollum. Continues to swing a good bat. And New Mexico has indeed gone to their pen. They bring on a very tall right-hander, Terrell Hudson. Making his first appearance of the year. Six foot five, 220 pounds, Terrell Hudson. Out of Phoenix, and his first pitch swinging is Mortensen. Drives it to deep center. Back is Pigford. He's looking up, and this one is out of here. A long home run to center field by Mortensen. 
Puts the Gauchos on the board, it's three to one. Oh, Morty, first home run of the season. It was, it was a mild protest from Coach Checkets. This is going to take uh, airtime away from Jared Sundstrom, who swings at the first pitch, drives it to deep center. Bateman going back, looking up. He's at the track. It's out of here. Jared Sundstrom. The first pitch he sees is a Gaucho homers to center field, and the Gauchos lead it 3-0. How about that? An RBI ground out on Friday night against the Gophers. Three balls, two strikes. Rooney's pitch is lined to right field. That's going to fall for a base hit. And the right fielder falls down. It goes all the way out to the wall. Mosby scores. Here comes Nunez rounding to third. The relay comes in. He's going to be held there. It's a triple for Nunez. And the Gauchos lead it 5-2. to two. And this, The wheels came out from under Hokinson as he came in. And it went all the way to the wall unimpeded. Big pitch coming up here for Mr. Benbrook. I did all that hard work last year to come back for moments like this. Outfield is deep. Lefty on lefty. Benbrook's pitch. Breaking ball. Strike three called right down the middle. <laughs> Benbrook fired up as he comes off the mound. <laughs> and the Gophers leave him loaded. It wasn't easy this inning. Three pitchers used, but the Gauchos put up a zero. We'll go to the seventh inning, 5-2, to two, UC Santa Barbara. Regardless, it's first and second. And Mosby hits this high in the air to deep right field. Back is Hokinson. He's at the track, and it's up over his glove. One hops the wall. Bredauer scores. Here comes Oakley. Mosby heading for third. He's in there with a two-run triple. And it's 7-2, UC Santa Barbara. Way out to the 379 mark. And I thought Hokinson was going to run it down. But Leo Mosby, in his first start, has two hits and two ribbies. After that triple here, and the Gauchos have scored in three straight innings. Hunt, after the two-out triple, standing at third. Camarillo trying to leave him there. The pitch. Fastball in the air left field, hit well. Bredauer looks like he has room on the edge of the track. Reaches up, makes the catch, and UCSB defeats Minnesota here tonight by a final score of 13-2. to two. All right, welcome back. This is the Logic Monitor pregame show before opening day here in Surprise, Arizona, 2023. Gauchos getting set to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers, first of four games here at uh, – the Ford Sanderson College Baseball Classic. So Ferg, sitting here with Coach Ferg, Associate Head Coach Donald Fergus. Uh, we're looking over the lineup. Uh, we were just commenting on it. Spent about an hour putting it together. 
after spending all of January and all of the fall trying to figure out who's going to be the nine that are going to start opening day. Of course, it's yeah. just one game, but uh, comfortable with the lineup? Yeah, it's. I mean, nobody's going to cry for me that I am I'm struggling to find a way to get all of our good hitters in the lineup. And we we did. We talked about with everybody like, what do we got? Like, how do we how do we make all this work? And um, when Chex asked me, I don't know, a week ago, like, well, wh- what do you want to do for a lineup? And I said, can we hit twelve? Um, that's how I feel, which is which is fun as a hitting coach. Is I feel like we got a we got a bunch of guys who are really capable players and um, and are gonna do something cool every time they step up to the plate. And I uh, I I feel bad because I want all of our guys to play and they will. Um, so we had to pick something for today. And um, you know I, I I told Chuck's last night <clears throat> you can make a case for every single one of our hitters that they've done enough to get in the lineup and um and there's almost there's really nobody that you've been in case where that has done anything that tells you you shouldn't play that guy so it's fun um you know somebody's uh gonna get left out today and um but we're gonna get some guys in we're gonna play four games this weekend so we'll uh we'll mix and match and try and get some feet wet and uh find some combos but it's exciting because we do have some really good Really good players. When you look at the ready list and you see Mortensen, Mosby, and a new guy, Jared Sundstrom, uh, not in the lineup, some would say that's a good problem to have. And that you have lots of those options that are sitting there on the bench that, hey, you never know, it might be a pitching change early and you could see them get a couple at-bats today. Yeah, and it, it is it is fun to think about having options. Um, I also think about it this way, which is a testament to our guys, is that if you let any one of these guys that we're talking about just go and just play them every day, all year, they're good. They put up numbers. Like that's what we have, and that's fun. Um, it you know you get to play nine, so we got to do that, and um, we'll do our best to get everybody uh, some opportunities and try and find, like I said, combos that make sense for us. And there's some defensive stuff that goes into that as well. Obviously, that uh, we've got to balance, and um, it. Uh, it gives me a lot of excitement about what we're going to do this year because we do have some great players and Morty and and, and Mosby are are and Sundstrom are, are three great examples of that. Like, there's 200 and some odd teams in the country that would would, would uh, shank somebody to have those guys on their on their roster and, and in their starting lineup. So um, we're fortunate. Let's talk about today's opponent, Minnesota Golden Gophers at the Big Ten. Coach Anderson. He's been there for 41 years. Uh, you saw them in 2018 when you were with Washington, briefly. But they were a super regional team in 2018. I know that's five years ago. They've come on hard times. They've really struggled the last couple of years. But uh, Coach Anderson, he's been around a while. They have a young team. Uh, what do you expect to see from Minnesota? Because we will see them twice this weekend. Yeah, I, I think um, I think you can expect them to be tough and well-coached. Um, they are not going to do a lot of stuff that will beat themselves, but, um, you know, our challenge is going to be to try and figure out what they are because, you know, in doing the scouting, there wasn't, wasn't a ton on, especially the two starters we have. They both were under 15 innings last year. Uh, that makes it tough, you know, for us that, to, you know, put a real specific game plan together. Uh, I, I think they will be, uh, like I said, you know, that's tough. To play in that climate lost, and lost their three weekend starters from last year, and they lost their two top uh, home run guys. So twenty one home runs from last year are out of the lineup. Yeah, and they are 
trying to get their identity back. I think, you know, as you said, they, they have had some real successes and, and uh, um, they're, uh, they're going to come out, you know, trying to prove something, I think, this weekend. And so it'll be a good test for us. I think they will, like I said, they will be tough because of where they train and, and what they go through. And, um, and it's a Big Ten school. You know, they're going to be, uh, you know, they've got some talent. So it's not uh, that they don't have capable players. It's probably... Coach Anderson's trying to figure out the same stuff we are, which is, all right, what are my combos and who are my guys exactly. this year? And exactly. we're doing the same thing. we got really good players, but a lot of new pieces too. So I think it'll, it'll – uh, I think everybody's got some uncertainty going into to this weekend uh, on both sides. But um, they're certainly uh, – they have some capable arms in that pen and, um, and you know, their starters are going to be uh, strike throwers. So uh, for us, it's, it's about, you know, trying to execute our game plan and see where we need to see it and do what we're good at. So this year, there's some new gameplay rules. There's definitely some different things with the, the play clock, the pitch clock, whatever you want to call it. Uh, how is that, at least going into it, we've, we've experimented with in some scrimmages a little bit. We've tried to mess around with it with team defense and like relay and signs and all that. Can you explain a couple of the biggest new rules with the, with the clock and how you think that will affect play? Yeah, so we're, we're, we're 20 seconds now, which um, – so between pitches, it starts as soon as the, the pitcher gets the ball back um, and the catcher squats down uh, or didn't even have to squat down, just has to get in the box. The hitter is supposed to stay in there. The hitter has to be in the box and ready to hit at 10 seconds, prior to 10 seconds, actually. So it's a tight window. We, we really felt the squeeze this fall. Um, you can step off once. Um, you can pick unlimited, which is different than the big league rule. Big league rule has a, has a two-pick uh, max. So for us, I, I think what, what you'll end up with is sort of like last year when we had some fake step off, you know, those, the show me um, resets. I think you'll have some awkward picks um, that don't really mean anything. Uh, and as hitters, what we felt was just the, the pressure of getting a sign, getting our, our thoughts together about what the next pitch was going to need to be and then being ready to execute that. So a lot of it actually ended up on, on me to try and get signs in faster, and we had to condense our sign system down, and um, I had to do a better job of, of having that ready. Um, the, you know, the things that I'm worried about are, uh, you know, Chex and I like to chat and discuss what, what we might like, do. It and feels like you're going to have to be a couple of pitches we're gonna ahead. We're going to have to be at least know? a couple of pitches ahead, and, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how that's really going to play out. It's hard to know because... You know, I, I, I like the dialogue. I like when, when he's got an idea or, or thought or a request or, you know, a lot of times it's, hey, how do we want to play this? Because what's the bullpen like today? Or what's the, what's the score going to bring us? Or, you know, how do we want to play this game aggressively um, or conservatively or whatever it might be? And we're not really going to get a ton of time to do that. Um, our real downtime would be when we're on, you know, defense and, He's, you know, he's running the pitcher, so we're not going to get a, a ton of time to do that, and I'm going to have to really be on uh, in terms of you know, getting the next play in. Um, we'll manage. We'll figure it out, but it, it's certainly going to change the tempo of, of teams offensively. There's not going to be as much shenanigans, I don't think, in terms of you know, let's fake bunt, let's show this, let's, let's waggle, let's you know, disrupt timing. Like, I mean, I, I just don't think you're going to be able to do that kind of stuff. Right, um, right. And you see, we saw in our scrimmages even the guys who are ready to pitch, the, the McGreevies of the world who who are are ready as soon as you flip the ball back to them, have an advantage. They can really pressure the hitters into um, getting sped up. So we we worked a ton on 
not stepping in until we really feel like we're, we're locked in and, and getting some of that stuff done ahead of time and um, altering our routines in, in terms of getting our brain wrapped around the commitment to the approach that wherever, you know, wherever pitch we're on. Um, we'll see. Yeah. I, it's going to be a challenge, but I think like anything, we'll, we'll figure it out. Something that you probably will notice it more like you will, cause you're in the dugout and you're, you're running the process, you're making the calls. You might not notice it as much from the stands or on TV, unless you're like really locked in, but it's, it's very subtle, but it's definitely will affect the way the game goes. Yeah. I don't think the fans will notice it a ton, except for, like I said, I, there might be some weird picks where you're like, what are they, what is that? Right. Like, a step off. Just, I got a step and over. flip it yeah. over. And I think there'll be some of that that's kind of awkward and weird, but the, the pace is, I hate to say it, it's pretty good. Like our scrimmages went pretty fast and fans, may end up liking it um i don't know um we'll see fast-paced high-octane baseball sure <laughs> well if we last, hit homers it doesn't matter right i know mlb's bringing back the new bases did you notice the bases last night of practice yeah i love them honestly i think that's awesome 18 inches right? i would love to play infield with that because it feels like you got so much room to work with you yeah. know and um I, I think it'll help base running I, I think there'll be more base stealing attempts you get a little bit extra this is at the big league level we're, we're, the bases haven't changed at the college level but I'm, i hope are they we, do, are we gonna play I, with big bases here i this would weekend? assume so uh, they sent a memo so. out saying that it was okay if that's really? the facility you were playing in had those bases oh wow but not okay. you couldn't use them on your own like you couldn't put them in, in your ballpark but it did there was a waiver granted to play in a facility that had them um I would hope that we would go to them. I, I think it's the right call. There's a safety element. You just okay. help, you're going to reduce collisions. Um, you got more room to work around the bag. And there's a little bit, you know, a tighter distance that, you know. Running game. The running game picks up a little bit, and there's some more stolen base opportunities, I think. Uh, you gain an inch or two there that, that you don't think about that much, but is often the difference. Absolutely. So um, I, I'm excited to see it in, in, in pro ball. And, um, I think they've, they've liked their experiment with the minor league side of that, and, and I would hope that we would go to that as well. Let's finish up with uh, a wrestling report. I've got, I've got, I've got some things that I, that I want to touch on, but I think we, we can save that for, for a podcast, for a podcast. Or, or, for, or for the <laughs> next time. I know I, I got to checks twice before I got to you. I know I've seen it in your eye. You're like, I can't believe you got to checks twice before you got <laughs> I can't believe it. But. I thought it was a go-to, Kev. <laughs> But uh, Seamus at, at DP High School, your son. Yeah. Uh, what's the wrestling report? The wrestling report is he uh, he won a league JV league title as a freshman, which is pretty cool. Let's go. I gotta say, like I uh, did not have it on my bingo card of, of things that um, as a dad I would I would experience that uh, my son would win a win a wrestling uh, title. Um, I don't know anything about wrestling. Um, I'm trying to learn. Uh, he's into it though, and he, it's been really cool to see. Like he, he's never liked baseball, so I long ago gave up on that dream. Uh, but he's really passionate about it. He likes it. He's good. Um, you know, he kind of found his calling, I, I think, in some ways. And it's cool to see your kid get excited about something and have success with it too. It's it's been fun. I was uh, I didn't know what to expect. You know, you go into it and you're like, okay, what do we got here? And he uh, so cool. he really did well. And yeah, and then yeah. Uh, to walk away at the end of that with a with a league title and. Uh, and you know some some real uh, some real pep in his step and you know joy in his eyes is, is pretty cool. That's outstanding. All right, Gauchos and Golden Gophers coming up here today. Uh, won't be the first time, or sorry, won't be the last time we talk to Coach Ferg. Uh, one bold prediction for today or for the year. You pick. Oh well, let's just. I mean, let's let's start easy. We don't we don't go home run. The podcast, the year, maybe prediction, but uh, we'll go prediction for today. Um, that we hit uh, multiple homers. Okay. I'm in on that. Okay. Thanks, Ferg. All right. See you, buddy. 
Welcome back to the Logic Monitor pregame show before game two here in Surprise. Gauchos is getting set to take on the Lobos from the University of New Mexico. And I'm sitting here with one of last night's heroes, Nick Oakley. You got your Yerba mate, your eye black, you got your shirt tucked in. You look ready to go. Ready to go. That's that's all you're going to give me? Just ready to go? Ready to go, yeah. <laughs> okay, what's, right now, what's with the Yerba mate? What it's, flavor? Uh, what flavor you go with? Always blue. It's the only one that's good. Uh, natural energy. Don't get jittery. Don't crash. So that's just good. a little pick me up. That's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. So you're not you're not in the monster. No, not into that. That was like when I was younger, I'd crush them, but I feel a little jittery on them, you know. <laughs> so can't play jittery. We're at we're at the hotel, and we're going to the field here momentarily. What's been the, the like pregame routine here in Arizona? Because it's different. Because we're not hitting BP on the field that we're playing on. We're hitting BP on the practice fields, and then we're walking. So, like, how's that been practice? And then yesterday, as far as the game routine goes, uh, it's a little quicker, just because we gotta take the cleats off to hit in the cage. So the groups are a little shorter. Uh, there's no music at the small field, so it's a little quiet. <laughs> but uh, I like it. I like hitting here. So how's how's the field? Field's awesome. It's typical Arizona, pretty fast, but yeah, the field's unreal. So I didn't I didn't get a chance to go down to the actual field yesterday. How like anything that you notice? Like I know you're you've, you've been around. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's walking by is smiling at you because they're like, why aren't they talking to me? Like that's just Nick Oakley. Like not a big deal, yeah. but uh, like. Like big stadium, obviously uh, it's a spring training yard. Mm-hmm. But did you feel like sitting down in the dugout before the game? Coach Erdman said yesterday that he sat down next to you and you told him that this was like the calmest that you've ever been yeah. before a game. Mm-hmm. But apparently, like that just happened in that moment. But leading up to it, it was not the same. You know, well, you know, I was excited all day, a little nervous, but. Once we got to the field, I kind of realized I had to be calm with so many new faces around. Uh, I was up the middle with Corey. He's obviously a true freshman playing short, so I tried really hard to be calm for him. <laughs> Just because if I, if I look nervous, then he'd be nervous, you know? So I tried to just kind of spread a calm vibe, trying to just take it all in. Is that something new, feeling calm before games, or is it usually like you're bouncing off the walls? No, it's brand new. It's listening to. Uh, do you, Do you understand it yet? Like, is it is, is it weird, or is it like okay, this is where I'm supposed to be? It's nice. It's, it's a lot better than being nervous. I listened to uh, "Somewhere Over the Rainbow" probably 15 times yesterday. Really? Yeah, it's a new pregame song. <laughs> Rather than, uh, I usually listen to a lot of corn. Limp Bizkit, okay, so that's know. a little different. Yeah, a little different so vibe. We, we went for the calm vibe yesterday, and it worked. Okay. So, first few innings, you know, Gauchos, they go, they go down early, the sack fly, and you guys were kind of – you guys got some guys on base, but we're struggling against the lefty. Mm-hmm. And you're hitting down deep in the lineup, and mm-hmm. you come up with the bases loaded, still down one nothing. What were you looking for in that at bat? Uh – I mean, he was kind of all over the place. I was just trying to get a heater I could handle uh, something in because he was missing with the slider away, so I wanted to lay off of that. And, yeah, he threw a heater in, and I 
just kind of fisted it over the first baseman's head. I didn't hit it that hard, but no one was there. It looked like you hit it hard. It went all the way to the wall. Yeah, we, we can say it. it was hit hard. <laughs> we can absolutely say it was hit hard. Come on. Well, it's, it's 350 down the lines, yeah. and so there were a couple triples hit yesterday. But once it got over the first baseman's head, were you thinking three the whole way? I was thinking three all the way just for the energy of it, you know, right next to the dugout. Because it's, it's fun getting to third when, when the guys are in the third base. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, I almost actually tripped on the bags because the bags are so big. It's a little different. Oh, making turns. How, how is that? Cause it was actually weird. We got to practice with it, and then yeah, I, I didn't know if we were going to play with regular bases or with the I didn't bases. either, but, yeah, they, they stick out a little more. So I almost, I, like, kicked my own calf, almost tripped. <laughs> And then I was running second, like, oh, this might be close. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go for it. Did you notice it at all, like, playing defense? Uh, I mean, it's nice in the middle with double plays. There's a lot more room for air. Uh, I'm a fan of them. Okay. So I've, I've, been, I've gotten mostly positive reviews yeah. up to this point. Like, Donald, of course, likes it because, I think, the running game and then player safety. Like, yeah. As a coach, you want, you want to keep your players on the field, but... As a defender, you know, it gives you more, more room totally. to work. So we maybe see that uh, down the line in college baseball. Well, yeah. let's see. So let's – we can talk about that when we actually get big bases. But let's see, second, second day of the season, mm-hmm. what's your approach coming into today? Because it's, it's different. We're, we're playing a different team today. So it's hitters meeting right now. I'm sure you guys are going to go over the scouting report and come up with a game plan. But does it kind of feel like a regional – type atmosphere because we're playing multiple teams totally i mean typically we wouldn't you know we'd kind of have the scouting report for the whole weekend and this weekend's kind of every day is different which i i enjoy to start the year it's kind of nice to just every day's a new day kind of feel uh so yeah it'll be exciting how are some of the new guys who's your favorite new player oh god <laughs> I mean, well, cool. hey, hey, how about how about Ivan's night last night? I mean, that was yeah, it's impressive. He hits balls really hard. It's good to see him get going for sure. Uh, favorite new guy though, I gotta go Corey. As far as funny, he's probably one of the funnier dudes I've ever met. Unintentionally, <laughs> he's just naturally funny. Naturally funny, you know. He's he's a natural fielder of the, of the baseball too. Yeah, he's a legit shortstop. I credit a lot of my relaxation to, to him and Kurt yesterday in our BP group, cracking jokes. Kurt's just ragging on Corey. Kind of set a, a nice tone to walk over the stadium after. So that's that, that trio right there, because it's Corey, first year, and then yep. you're third year, and Kurt's fifth year. Yeah. So it's like all walks of the spectrum there yeah. hitting in the same group. So like that's, that's kind of unique. Super unique. You just you won't be my color guy when you retire because you don't offer a lot of color. Like, right. <laughs> you're a man of few words. You be you're precise, and I appreciate that. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, bold prediction for today's game. Uh, put a lot of runs up. Score more runs than them. We gonna get a stolen bag. That would be sweet. I'm, I told Ferg I'm gonna be a 30-30 guy. Thirty tanks, thirty thirty bags. So. At the college level. Yep. Can we, be little, can we be a little more realistic? 30 bags. 30 bags. Right, Ferg? 30? From him? Yeah. yeah. He gets on 
first base during the time that we have here. Okay. Okay. There, we'll leave it at that. You can edit that one out. <laughs> no, we're keeping that in. All right. Enjoy the herb. Uh, you're going to be late for your meeting. Go get them today. Thanks, Kev. All right. Welcome back. Logic Monitor pregame show. This is game three of the Sanderson Ford College Baseball Classic. We're out on the field for this interview because uh, I didn't do one at the hotel and we had to audible. We were going to get Johnny Bloom and now we've audible to Jake Savidra. You guys are 1A and 1B. So it's not, you weren't the second option. Okay. You're, you're the first option. I'll take it. Okay. So, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Gotch is going to set to take on the Golden Gophers once again. UCSB dropped yesterday. 3-1 to New Mexico, and they won on Friday against Minnesota 9-7. So rematch with the Gophers. Jake, first time getting interviewed, and you are a new gaucho, athletic trainer, and uh, it's been great having you around, but we want to welcome you to UC Santa Barbara officially. You're not a real athletic trainer until you've been on this interview, so this is your inauguration right now. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm glad to be a gaucho, and, you know, it's been fun so far. So when did you get to campus? Got to campus last July, so I've been here about seven months now. Uh, this is my first experience with the Gaucho baseball program. Uh, you know, really got into things in January. It's been a fun ride so far. Successful and program. What other teams do you work with? Work Women, with, I guess. Women's volleyball and then obviously baseball. Well. So it's two teams. Two teams. Two teams. And how's the training room? How's it compared to other training rooms? It's elite. I will say it's elite. <laughs> the staff there is just amazing, and it's been such a breath of fresh air. And you know, I've been to some bigger places, but this has been one of my favorite places for sure. And what was the like? What was the process getting in to Santa Barbara or getting to Santa Barbara? We'll go. I want to cover like where you've been because you've done some really cool things. Mm -hmm. But just like where were you last year, and how did you get to Santa Barbara? So last year I was at San Diego State. Um, worked there with the football program, swim and dive program. Um, Knew I kind of wanted to get out of there, and I have a son that lives down in Camarillo, so honestly, this job popped up on the job board, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to throw my name in the hat. Um, and to be honest, I don't think I was their first choice either. But you know what? It uh, I got that call from Jackson as I was setting up my place because I thought I was going to be in San Diego for a longer period of time, and um, brought me down for an interview, and it's just been it's been fun ever since I got here. Okay. How, how have the guys been? Oh, they've been awesome. They've been awesome. They're they're one of my favorite groups of all time, for sure. Of all time. All time. Of all time. Yes. Okay. So that's that's putting them up there. With, that is putting uh, with them the up top there. with the top that tier because you've been with some good teams. We'll get to that. But yeah. uh, what's like a daily, just a standard day, getting ready for a baseball game or baseball practice uh, for the players as far as preparation with training and and you as far as treatment. Yeah. Usually, I mean. With college guys, obviously our treatment schedule is a little different. We got to work around classes and things like that, so it's scattered throughout the morning. Uh, these guys practice in the afternoon, so I just make sure everything's set up by about noon. Uh, game days, obviously we got batting practice, all that stuff starting early, um, so it's definitely a longer day. Um, but we'll usually do treatments about an hour before uh, our first batting practice group gets going, and um, yeah, we try and knock it out there and. And we just get rolling into into pregame, and during pregame, I'll work with some pitchers and things like that. But what are some like standard, pretty basic things that that you'll do to to pitchers and position players? You know, I do a lot of soft tissue work, um, whether that be cupping, scraping, some manual stuff with just my hands. Um, 
a lot of stretching, um, just really getting these guys warm and prepared and just doing some active stuff to get their bodies ready to get moving out on the field. Any differences between volleyball and baseball? Because there's, there's similar motions. I mean, you're doing overhand similar. stuff in volleyball. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, I do get a lot of shoulders. Um, you know, volleyball, there's a few more, you know, ankles and knees and things like that. A lot that. more jumping involved. A lot involved. more jumping involved. But, you know, honestly, it, it's all the same. Um, the only thing that's different is when it comes to when these guys are, or, or ladies are coming back from uh, injury, um, you know, the return to play progression, obviously trying to do some sports-specific stuff with them. I've had to adapt with women's volleyball. I didn't know anything about women's volleyball before I got here. So uh, it was a learning experience for me. And, you know, with baseball, I'm a little more familiar because I played the game growing up. So there's some familiarity. What yeah. about uh, what about pitchers coming back from from arm surgery? Because I talked with Carter and Schreier and they told me one of the biggest things for them was the the little goals along the way. Cause, yeah. Right. You get cut open and then it's a year, you know, more or less until you're really back out there 100 percent and in order to keep yourself sane mm -hmm. you're getting those little goals so how do you help those guys along the way as far as reaching those goals i mean you set those goals early so you know we follow rehab protocols and things like that so we have a timeline that we try to follow um but the biggest thing with coming back from an arm surgery is patience with these guys um you know they feel really good about a month out they're like i'm ready to throw ready to throw but it's just such a such a long process for these guys and once they get back into throwing i mean it's very rarely is it just straight uphill there's going to be peaks and valleys and um you know for not throwing for four five six months however long it takes them to get to that part of the protocol um you know their body's kind of almost got to relearn on how to do some things so um you know my job there is just making sure that we're not overdoing it but also giving these guys the reassurance to help with the mental aspect of it because it really is kind of demoralizing if you're in the middle of it and you kind of hit one of those setbacks. Um, the biggest thing is to not get frustrated with it. And that's, that's what I'm there for. And just helping them work through some things. It's, it's a lot of fun, you know, and like I said, it's ups and downs, but we go through them together. And, you know, we, we hit our goals and we get them back out on the field. So it's been really cool to see Schreier and Carter throw this weekend. What's like the line of communication and, and prep between the coaches, the training room, and then the weight room? Because they're we kind of all have to be yeah. in sync, right? Yeah, we all have to talk with each other. We all have to make sure that we're on the same page. Um, usually I'll communicate with coach first just because usually they're trying to come up with practice plans for the days, things like that. Um, strength and conditioning wise, you know, they if it's a major injury, they kind of transition from the training room to the weight room, then back to the field. So we just want to make sure that when they get back into that weight room phase, that we're not doing anything to put them in danger of re-injury. Uh, so we work with the strength staff and they've been great about adjusting their lifts, whether making it single leg or single arm or a lightweight progression, things like that, just to make sure we're keeping these guys healthy and on the right track. Yeah, kind of tailor making it to their specific needs, if it's a exactly. repair or a Tommy John or, yep. or some kind of soft tissue injury. So yep. it's, it's working in unison. I think that's something that that this program, I think, has done a great job in this department, has done a great job in the past getting guys back out onto the field and, and in playing shape because it's it's not easy sometimes. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's not easy. Is the, How is the player doing mentally? How is he doing physically? The, the whole combination of things. So yep. this is uh, – so 
Jake Savidra. Tell me about Jake Savidra because what got you into athletic training in the first place? Because you went to... Did you go to Fresno State? I did go to Fresno okay, State. Okay, nailed it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Got you into AT, ATC. Yeah. Uh, you know what? To be honest, growing up, I didn't even know what an athletic trainer was. And uh, somebody from my hometown works with the Oregon Ducks football program as an athletic trainer. And I just called them one day and they said, dude, what what is your job? Like, what do you do? Because I would see them on Saturdays on TV and that was about all that I understood. Um, so I picked his brain and... It was one of those things where I'm like, man, I might be really interested in that because I thought I wanted to be a math teacher and that was quickly, yeah, banged. But um, so we, <laughs> I went back to a junior college and I took the intro courses and I loved it. And then from there, went on to Fresno State, uh, fell in love with it even more. And I decided to go on and do a master's degree at Holy Names University. So in Oakland, in Oakland, that's right. Um, yeah, so it's been a fun ride. And after that, I mean, some of the experiences I, I've had have been super awesome. So did you go, because you were, worked with the Oakland Raiders when they were still in Oakland. I did. did. you have, was there a period where you worked with, where you worked with the Holy Names teams while you were there? Was, was the Raiders the next step? Yeah, so it was Holy Names, and then I got a, I wanted to get back into football because Holy Names didn't have football. So I was with basketball for those two years. Uh, wanted to get back into the football world, so I got a summer internship with the Oakland Raiders, and uh, essentially that led on to me being with them for the next two seasons, um, and it was super cool. So was it that 18-19? 18-19. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, 18-19, and then after that, the pandemic hit, um, scrounging for a job, and I wound up at the University of Alabama, so that was awesome. So that that's probably been the highlight of your career to this point. <laughs> Because uh, you wind up at Bama, yeah, and you're working with Nick Saban, and you're working with Mac Jones, right? Yep. It was Mac Jones, Mac Jones, and you won a national championship. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely one of those moments where you experience something that 99% of athletic trainers are probably never going to experience. Uh, I remember at halftime they asked, "Has it hit you yet that you're going to be a national champion?" And I'm. I was like, no. Well, what, no was the, what was the score? Uh, I mean, I think we were up by like 21 points. And we, <laughs> who who was playing in the National Championship game? Ohio State. It was just Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so it was just one of those things. And I was like, no, it hasn't hit me yet. And then at the when that final buzzer hit and you see all the confetti and you see the National Championship trophy and, you know, getting the ring after I had left for San Diego, it was just, it was super cool. Super cool. And I think the most, the best thing about that experience was that whole athletic training staff was they were all amazing people and they weren't stuck up or cocky about anything they were all just normal people and they put family first and it was just awesome that's great so you bring championship pedigree here to the gauchos and uh doing a great job so far i've only been here a month but uh, it's been great having you around and keeping the guys healthy on the field so tonight it's minnesota tomorrow it's oregon state so uh one-on-one we gonna get out of here above 500? I think so. Okay. Three and one weekend for the Gauchos. Okay, love to hear it. Uh, thanks for the time, Jake. Thank you. Okay, UCSB Analytics is here. We have Devin Cost and Isaiah Ochoa, and we are 
introducing these guys on the podcast today. We are back from surprise. Gaucho's splitting with uh, the four games that they played, two wins against Minnesota, a loss against New Mexico and Oregon State. But, Devin, we heard from you last year on a pregame interview with Maxine, and we are introducing Isaiah today. So let's start with Devin. You've now assumed full director of analytics responsibilities, and you are – uh, next in line of a what's become a growing list of D of A's. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> DAs. I mean, there's there's Debo's, there's A Debo's. Like now you're the you're the DA. So what? Um. Let's let's start with. Can you thank your fellow D, DAs that that helped uh, put you in this spot and then uh, introduce yourself? Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess I'll start with saying thank you to Maxine, Sean Isaac, and Spencer Stewart for laying this path for me. Because I mean, the Maxine, who's now with the Blue Jays, made this transition super, super easy. She's very organized, so there's like an Excel or a Google Doc with instructions for almost anything you'll need for anything analytics-wise, which makes it super easy for me. That's outstanding, and and unlike unlike field work, I'm sure analytics is you just you just can just plug stuff in and follow the steps and then you're good to go right uh most of the time a lot of uh, technical difficulties or coaches asking for something new so, so <laughs> i you, wish you it was just that easy you don't have to worry about like rain or wind or low humidity or high humidity or dew point or any of that type of stuff that just can throw a wrench into your whole plan no but wi-fi that's a big issue for me <laughs> Ooh, wi-fi yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. A lot <laughs> okay, of a well, lot of phone a lot of phone hot spots for me. <laughs> well, you have amassed this enormous team. So uh, 17, I think is the total number, is that right? Of total analytics um, personnel. I think it's it's closer to to 15 or 15 16, yeah. But yeah, okay. that's all right. And we have we is this is is Isaiah your protege? Is that why he's yes. on the pod, or is it? Or do we just have him on this podcast because he has his own podcast? And, I think, and we figure he a, can actually talk about things. It's a combo. <laughs> it's a combo of those things. All right, well, look, uh, inter- introduce uh, Isaiah Ochoa, please. Devin. Hi, Isaiah Ochoa is uh, one of my on-field analytics guys, basically one of my right-hand men who just helps me with everything at the field, game day, scrimmage, practices, and. There's a lot of things I wouldn't be able to do without him and some of my other on-field analytics. Yeah, just don't know what I would do without him and some of the other guys. <laughs> Isaiah, so what's going on? Uh, what? Welcome to the podcast. And thank you. What got you into analytics, and what brought you to UCSB? Um, earlier, I used to play in high school. Uh, tried playing in college, didn't work out because of COVID. And then uh, my friend suggested that actually goes to UCSB. Why don't you join the analytics team? You're very knowledgeable. Why not go for it? Applied, you know, Dev hit me up saying, you know, we love to interview in person. Interviewed. Um, Luckily, Dev saw something in me, I guess, and took a chance on me. And now I'm an on-field intern. It's been pretty fun. Big learning experience. You know, I thought I did know 
uh, some things about analytics until you really go behind the scenes and see what dev does every day. It's really not an easy thing. It's a big, big learning curve. So, but, you know, I'm always glad to be at the field, always glad to be learning under dev. It's been a fun experience so far. What were the sparkling things on your resume? Was it, I can set up a tripod or I know how to turn on the recorder? <laughs> like, well, or or was it more important things like I am fluent in R? I guess it would be I used to play. I used to coach as well. I did coach for a little bit as well. And then I also, since I have my own podcast, I was able to know content-wise work with cameras. And I did use Blast for a little bit, even though we didn't use Blast, but... Yeah, that was, I guess, my experience that stood out to Dev. I don't know. Yeah, building off of that, this was when I hired him this time when you were uh, not here. So he had a lot of good qualifications, but then on top of it, he had the podcast. I was like, oh, maybe like this podcast doesn't <laughs> just have to entirely disappear. Maybe me and Isaiah can attempt to bring it back. So I think that was a Wait, slightly added bonus. Your 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 backside goal here was to take the control of the gaucho nine podcast is that the, no no no, no. Goal here? <laughs> it was a it was a potential it was a potential a potential goal okay yeah down the line you know once we had everything figured out and the, but then you came back and now it, it all worked out so it all worked out well we have this big shiny new toy uh the portable track man uh tell us a little bit about the portable track man yeah so i mean we used to be using Rapsodo and the bullpens, and then one day we decided to go on field and use our stadium trackman and the Rapsodo at the same time. And that data that we got from that showed us two completely different things. And so Chex and DJ said, "All right, we got we have to figure this out. What's wrong?" Did some research and found out that the the portable trackman was going to be the the right replacement for the Rapsodo and have to give us the same exact data so we're not uh, using two different uh, like pieces of data that are uh, what's the right word like like contradicting each other so right now we get to use that for the bullpens once we first got it all the players like they'd see me carrying this big orange box around oh no way is that a track that a track man and so I was like like not, not just the shiny new object for me but for the whole team as well which is pretty exciting Isaiah, are you well-versed in, in TrackMan now? Cool thing about TrackMan lately has been, you know, the plot points on the when they throw pitch, fastball, curveball, slider, you see it on a plot point where it has the vertical break with the horizontal and you're able to match it. So that's pretty cool as well. I mean, you could you can see the pitch move with your eye, but it's cooler to see with the numbers because sometimes your eye doesn't see how nasty pitch could be compared to when you see the numbers on track now. So like what kind of uh what kind of interaction do you have with like coaches like checks and, and DJ? Like are you are you guys sending them like reports or are they looking at it and breaking down the information like as it comes in with with you guys? It depends on how we're collecting it. So like for for anything on field where we use the the stadium track man, we'll uh, do reports on the hitters and the pitchers and then we'll send that to the coaches um, because they don't see that data right there because they're probably coaching. 
and they won't have an iPad right in front of them, like the bullpens. So in the bullpens, then it's more the the coaches will see a number and they'll or they'll see the the data on the iPad right there and they'll talk to the pitcher or they'll they'll maybe ask us a, a question about a certain uh, data point or maybe sometimes like what they could like what numbers they're maybe reaching for or going for and then we help the coaches out on that and then they relay that info on to the to the pitchers or hitters. So let's let's clarify. So there's a there's a trackman unit. It's a big square box. One sits on the press box of the stadium. The, the portable one sits on a tripod. And so during scrimmages or during a bullpen, you're telling me that a coach has a, an iPad that's just wirelessly connected to the trackman unit and each pitch shows up on that iPad. Is that right? So they're getting immediate feedback after each pitch. Yes, and correct. Hit. And hit. Yeah, tracks a ton of data. All, everything like that, from pitch velo all the way to like how fast the ball was going when it crossed home plate or the angle that it crossed home plate at. So many like different like minute things that are impossible to measure by the eye or like how fast it was going when the ball it was 50 feet from the plate i mean just a lot of cool different things that the it sends us an excel at the end that with all this different data that again you wouldn't be able to tell by just watching is there anything to add no dev hit it right on the nose (laughs) he is the da after all (laughs) he's the guy is it DA or DOA? I mean, DA is is you know, if you're a district attorney, like <laughs> DA just kind of sounds better. Like sure. D of A is kind of takes a little bit of the edge off of it a little bit. So you're the DA. Okay, we'll, okay. We'll say that. But so there's there's tons of roads that we can go down here. We can we can go on and on and on. But we'll we'll save some of that stuff like for down the line on on more of the things that the analytics team does you guys do have a twitter sb baseball data right yeah we can plug that here and we'll you guys will well, have all kinds of projects that you're working on and, and we'll maybe post some cool stuff after uh each game are you guys going to do like uh some kind of graphic after each game that relates to like balls that were hit and stuff like that or home runs yeah so normally we use that data or the data we use for those graphics comes from TrackMan, and so some of these away games that we go to where they don't have TrackMan or we don't get data from them we aren't able to so hopefully as soon as we have that first first series with TrackMan data there will be some posts up on that twitter but i'm excited because it had it's been it was pretty inactive last year and so hopefully we can i, I guess turn it around and make it an even bigger account it, it was never gone it was never gone it was just now we're just being more active. That's all, right? Exactly. Just need to revamp it. Just need to revamp it. You do have a podcast guy on your staff, so <laughs> I don't. I don't know if uh, those are are one and the same, but he knows that. Who knows content? Maybe I should start a podcast just for the analytics Twitter. No, good. Just for the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, okay. So one thing, one this segment that we will do. Maybe every week, every other week, it depends on how this goes. But like we did with David Tillotson and Spencer Stewart, we'll do a draft of five different categories. We'll do 
player of the week. So field player of the week, pitcher of the week, moan of the week, hardest hit ball of the week, and the best pitch of the week. And best pitch could be if somebody had a changeup working that was getting lots of guys out, You like you could pick that pitch specifically. And we are all drafting three different uh three different individuals in each of those categories. So if I go first and I pick Ivan Bredauer as my player of the week, field player of the week, then Devin and Isaiah cannot pick Ivan. They have to pick a different player. So that's how this will go. And since I'm the host, I will pick first this week, and then we will shuffle around who picks first each week. And I may forget, and I might pick first two weeks in a row, um, and that, you know, there's nothing that the other guys can do about it. So, uh, okay. So field player of the week, mine is Ivan Bredauer, uh, without question, the best player of the week, eight for 15 hit five thirty three, two doubles, a Homer, three RBIs and on base percentage is six eleven. And in his gaucho debut, he was a triple short of the cycle. He had a walk, a single, a double and a big home run. It was a game tying Homer in the bottom of the eighth inning or bottom of the seventh inning against Minnesota on Friday night. So that's my field player of the week. Devin, since you're the DA, you get to pick second. Okay. I mean, I think you with the first pick, Ivan was a pretty consensus number one overall pick. So you, um, should, you should have anticipated that. No. Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I, I had him on my list, but I assumed you would, you would take the first pick, make it easy on yourself. Um, <laughs> With the second overall pick, I'm going to take freshman shortstop Corey Nunez. Uh, so this was his first weekend, college D1 baseball, and his slash line he hit 385, 467 on base percentage, and a 538 slugging. And then on, he was third for the weekend for our team in uh, slugging hits and walks. And then he was also second in on base percentage for us. And not only was he really good hitting wise, he was also had 15 attempts in the field without a single error from shortstop, which is really impressive that he didn't let any of the nerves or jitters get to him in the first first weekend of college baseball. Yeah, good pick. Isaiah, what do you got? Last pick. I think I still got a good pick here. I got Alexander Darby, 316 average on the weekend, 790 OPS in 19 at-bats. Guy did not strike out, put the ball in play, or got out. Didn't get out much, though. 316 average still up there. And I was also had one stolen base. So not only was he getting on base, he was actually stealing a base and taking advantage of a long pickoff move, long hold, whatever. I couldn't see the games because of flow sports. But yeah, no uh, stolen base was dangerous. full disclosure for, for the listeners. Isaiah is uh is is playing in the dark here because he was unable to watch the games. <laughs> he, he listened to as much as he could. So he's kind of going off a stat sheet and Twitter highlights. So uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're making it hard on you in week one, Isaiah. It's okay. <laughs> Handle adversity out here. That's right. Okay. Uh, pitcher of the week. It's a, uh, I mean, it was between two guys for me, but I got to go with Mikey. Gutierrez and because he had zero walks and walks became an issue uh, at certain parts of the weekend, but Mikey was all over the zone, five innings in his start on Friday, opening day, 
He did allow two runs, just five hits. But between the first and fourth innings, he retired 11 batters in a row, got into a great rhythm, and was outstanding. And if you're going to be a Friday pitcher, you want to see him throwing quality strikes, not walking batters, um, getting punch outs when he needs to. And so that was a good first appearance for Mikey. Didn't get the win, uh, but five strong with eight punchies. So good job, Mikey. That's my pick. BA? Uh, for my pick, I will take – this might be slightly controversial. There was a couple of other dudes I was deciding between. I'm going with Brady Huddleston. Mm. He had two, appearance, <laughs> two appearances, 2.2 innings, four strikeouts, zero ERA, and no hits. But the one stat that really like was the deciding factor for me was he had two wins. And those two wins are helping be tied for first in the nation out of all D1 college teams and wins. So I think that's a pretty awesome feat and stat to have after the first weekend. Okay. Isaiah. He 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 obviously uh, took your pick, it looks like. He did. I didn't think no one would take him. I thought he was the sleeper, but I'll go with Matt Ager, our guy against that went New Mexico, went six inning six innings pitched, you know, got the loss unfortunately, gave up three runs, but he racked up ten Ks, only walked three. That's huge. Had a whip a one point one seven and the case per nine would equal to eleven point four. So unfortunately with Ager not getting the win, his strikeout totals were up there and his batting average allowed was only two hundred, which I think is a win for right now. Com- seeing like that New Mexico team wasn't that bad. They were actually pretty solid on how you were broadcasting it on the radio. Yeah, and Matt, it, it was just the one inning, the second inning that that mm-hmm. gave him trouble. Yeah, he had a couple walks. He gave up the, the, the base loaded hit to Ashby. And other than that, if you take that inning away, I think he was outstanding. And catchers are going to need him. Uh, and it was his first career start all of last year. He was pitching out of the pen. So good picks. Good picks. Um, I got a couple honorable, honorable mentions. mentions. Yeah, go for it. Yep. Uh, so what my next pick would have been probably uh, Nick Welch. He had two scoreless innings, no hits, and three Ks. He was big out of the bullpen for us. And then same with uh, Hudson Barrett, who had his first innings as a as a college uh, pitcher, too, with four innings pitched, one earned run, and then four strikeouts. So those two are my honorable mentions. I'll give the nod to Jed DeCumman. Missed last year with arm surgery and faced another team for the first time and went inning in a third, one walk, two strikeouts, no hits, and he was really sharp. So Jed looked great. Isaiah, you want to throw a guy in there? I did not have a guy right now. Okay. Uh, then I'll add one more. Uh, Carter Benbrook, as he was nails uh, on Friday, that first inning. He got he left a few pitches up his second inning against Minnesota, uh, which which hurt him in, in the overall numbers for the weekend. But on Sunday – with uh, the game still relatively close, Minnesota had a few guys on, and he came in out of the pen with uh, the bases loaded, I believe, and uh, and didn't allow a run. And he wound up with five strikeouts, no walks, uh, and two and two-thirds. So pitching twice on the weekend, um, coming off arm surgery, good for uh, for Carter. Okay, moment of the week. So this would be uh, a play or a – well, I guess there's lots of plays. Plays are kind of generally what moments are. But 
it could be something weird that happened in the stands or like there was a swarm of bees or like that could be a moment of the week. So there's a broad spectrum that you could pick from. But uh, my moment of the week is Jared Sundstrom homering to dead center on the first pitch he saw as a gaucho. And that was against Minnesota on Sunday after Leo struck out on a double steal where they threw to third, the ball got away. Ivan came home to score. Everybody thought that it was a, you know, double steal. We got to run. Great. And then the runners went back to the bases. I didn't know what was going on because Leo was out and the runners went back and you don't see that very often. And I learned after the fact that it was umpire interference and by rule, the runners go back and you play the pitch as it is. So kind of, kind of weird, but the very next pitch, Sunstrom, dead center Homer and all is right in the world. So that's my moment of the week. DA. That would, that would have been my pick if I had the first overall pick, but luckily, luckily I got a second good one too. Uh, my moment of the week was Ivan's home run against Minnesota. So a couple of things that made this the moment of the week was that we had a, I want to say it was a 6-1 lead or a 4-1 lead, and then they came back and went down 7-6, and he had a solo shot to tie it up 7-7, which massively changed the momentum in our favor. And then the second big thing about that home run was it was our first home run of the season, first of many. So exciting start, hard line drive to left field that got the team going and helped us to a victory. Well, going to be Oakley, bases clearing triple. Nice. Down one, I believe it was the third inning. Down one, Goody gave one one early. Oakley coming through, clearing the bases, hitting a triple, calling time. Actually, calling time in the blue, waiting like three seconds for the third baseman to pick up the ball. And then Oakley firing up the dugout, as seen from Twitter. So thank you, Twitter, (laughs) for that one. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you start the scoring early. You don't feel behind. I was probably big for the dugout as well. But as uh, Dev said er- uh, early on, that we did fall behind as the game continued. But we still got the win at the end of the day. Okay, hardest hit of the week. And we'll just pick something that we saw as hardest hit. We didn't have TrackMan data for the first three games. We do have some data for the last game that we'll share uh, when we're done. But just by the eye test, hardest hit. I'm going to go with the uh, the one-hop line drive that Ivan hit off the third baseman's chest. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking all of Devin's picks. <laughs> come, Which, on, uh, come on, Kevin. <laughs> that was, uh, poor Jake Perry. He got picked on a couple times, but also made a couple of outstanding plays at, at third base for the Gophers. But uh Ivan he just that one has to had to have been 115 maybe uh and it it caromed off of Perry's chest rolled into the the left field corner uh, in foul territory initially rolled a hit then they ruled it an error so we might have to get that reversed but that was my uh, 115 and it was ruled an error well we we don't know how hard it was hit oh but that's it was it was uh it was a laser beam all right, Devin. Yeah, I mean, you, you must have seen my my list of picks or something because <laughs> I don't, no, I didn't like I honestly didn't. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I that pick I had that pick ever since you gave us the list of what we were choosing. That that was like the first thing that Zero came to mind. <laughs> yeah, um, 
I mean, not a bad second choice, but I think uh, Jared Sundstrom's home run to dead center, the the, the play you talked about in the moment of the week, because uh, one, that thing was crushed off the bat. I mean, even Jared knew. He kind of s- stood there and walked slowly to admire it for a little bit. But also that, that the ballpark was very pitcher-friendly, some far fences, tall walls. So to go dead center in that ballpark, I think it, it had to have been one of the hardest hit balls all, all weekend. Isaiah? I'll go Brock Mortensen, hit one straightaway center as well, like Jared. Wasn't a no-doubter. Brock got out of the box fast. But, again, going off Twitter. So, Brock Mortensen, homer. And that was his 32nd homer of the year. Or, sorry, not the year, uh, of his career. And so he is 10 away from tying the school record. So we're on a little mm-hmm. we're on a little home run watch for uh, Brock Mortensen, chasing uh, Matt Wilkerson, who at 42 in his career. Uh, okay, pitch of the week. Hmm. I didn't give this one a ton of thought, but I'm going to pick out one in particular, and it was uh, Carter's breaking ball for college strike three against Minnesota. Where I think it, uh, he had a couple runners on, and it just unleashed the inner Benbrook where he just – roared and pounded his chest uh so that's my pick carter benbrook's breaking yeah I, I think i went a slightly different direction i chose like a group of pitches i guess so my pick would be schreier's slider over the yeah, weekend fine. that's totally did a, fine. Little, did, a, did a little bit of a synergy research and just like behind some of the numbers so for i mean for his slider he threw it 11 times and he got a swing and miss on six of them so 55 percent swing and miss he threw it first strike 73% of the time, and he had a zero average against that pitch, which is really impressive. So that's, that is the pitch of the weekend for me, Schreier's slider. So if you had shared like that graph of information, I probably would have had a better answer. You are the director <laughs> of analytics, so we should at least be given I, a, a cheat sheet to, to pick from. But that's I think that's. First pick, I think, I, yeah, I was about to say, I think next, next couple weekends I could give you guys a cheat sheet for that, but I think. I needed Good. some type of advantage for not being able to have the first pick. Okay. Isaiah. I'll stay on the slider, but on Matt Ager slider, he threw it 34 times, got a whiff percentage of 53.8. So half the time they did not touch it, got five K's. So half of his K's were just on the slider as well. And as you mentioned, one bad inning. I mean, if Ager's, Ager was on the rest of the day other than the third inning, so he probably would have got more if that third inning didn't happen. Okay, Slizzy. It was a Slizzy weekend for Schreier and, and Ager. Good stuff. Okay, so. Yeah, I got I got honorable. Can I do a quick do honorable it. mention? So, uh, Benbrook changeup was one of them. Then, Takuman curveball and Gutierrez changeups, too, were the, my other honorable mention picks. Okay. We'll probably hear a lot of repeat picks on those, on those pitches. If, uh, if those guys continue to throw the baseball well, which is a great thing. So it'll be, it'll be a competition of uh, who could throw it better over the weekend and who can be the first pick in this uh, analytics segment. So uh, good stuff. So good picks. Nice work guys. Um, I don't think we're going to have track mandated this upcoming weekend. Unfortunately, <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm psyched that we're going to be playing baseball. Uh, Gauchos will be back in Arizona to play uh, the ducks in Scottsdale. 
So if you're just listening to this and are unaware of what's going on, uh, check out the website, check out Instagram and Twitter. There'll be more updates on that type of stuff uh, coming out in the next few days, but no games at Siege Wasaka stadium this weekend, unfortunately three inches of rain coming to Santa Barbara Thursday through Saturday. So, uh, we made the call and we're going to go play again in the desert. So we'll be back to Phoenix, which, you know, it's, it is what it is. We're going to lose a game, but we're still going to be playing three um, instead of maybe only playing one or two. So that's good. Um, Isaiah has his own podcast. So let's, let's plug that here. We plug the SB baseball data, the analytics, Twitter, so go ahead and plug your your podcast, Isaiah. And um, what's the topic of debate that you guys are recording tonight? I don't want to spoil so it, but we'll be on Scoreboard Media. Uh, uh, a lot of people have a own definition of who's the goat, whether it be fa- uh, football, basketball, baseball, whatever. Today the goat is on basketball and football. I think you guys could figure it out if you know where you could here this is probably spotify no not probably is spotify apple music apple podcast so um we have an instagram have a twitter have everything you could think of but yeah that's the main topic for today is the goat controversy on everyone trying to make who's the goat who's not the goat and it'll be called scoreboard media radio and give it a listen uh, if you like it, that's great. You know, keep following us. It's it's a great time to listen to us. Okay, who's your uh, who are our goat basketball players? It's gonna be between LeBron and Jordan. Fortunately, Kobe will not be in that goat controversy. And many people think it's Jordan because of six zero finals, and then maybe a lot of people think it's Bron because of him passing the scoring record. I'm gonna go with Jordan oh. just because. 6-0 finals it's that's hard to uh to top Devin you got it you got any uh... I was gonna I thought he wasn't gonna say it. I thought he was gonna say it to find out come listen to the podcast ah. but I, <laughs> I I think I, I got LeBron I got LeBron I think it you'd have to give me like a little bit of time to do some research but from past uh things I've seen I've I've got to go with LeBron man no no uh magic no Wilt, no Russell. Who's your goat? Wilt played no against Kar- no Kareem. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the no. goat conversation. Usually it's it's between two or three, and it's it's always MJ or yeah. or or LeBron. But I I will go with MJ. Just he was, you know, I grew up watching him. Six and zero in championships. It's it's hard to argue. I mean, he was a winner. He had a, a a weird career, obviously, but you know he did it all with one team. I respect that. Uh, he didn't play as many. He didn't play as long as LeBron, but I I do consider longevity to be a really important factor. Like if you can stay healthy, if you can be relevant for a very long time, and that goes for uh, lots of different sports too. If you can stay relevant for a long time, like that's something that is very difficult to achieve. So. Respect. I respect both players. I am a, a an MJ fan personally, but that's just because I'm of an older generation. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So scoreboard media. That's the name of the podcast. Yes. Okay. 
go check it out. Devin, you have anything to you? You look like you're trying. You want to say something? No. I just want to say thanks. <laughs> thanks for having us. Okay. Great time. Hopefully, hopefully we're back in future weekends. Hopefully we have some TrackMan data that we can share with the listeners soon. Excited yeah, to excited for the season. Excited for home games, and we will we will play games at Caesar this year. Don't worry, we will play games at Caesar Rosak Stadium this year. Um, okay, Isaiah Ochoa, Devin Cost, thank you for joining us. Uh, nice work, and uh, we'll do this again. Awesome, thank you for having us. Sounds good, thank you. All right, thank you to. Our sponsors, Kyle's Kitchen. Thank you to Donegal, Nick, and Jake. And thank you to UCSB Analytics, Devin and Isaiah. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, again, we are not playing baseball in Santa Barbara this weekend. Too much rain in the forecast, so we are trying to play ahead um, and make sure that we get games in because these are important games uh, against the Ducks. So stay tuned to social media and the website on important details on the upcoming weekend. But we are playing baseball. It's just going to be in Arizona against the Oregon Ducks. Okay, uh, that'll do it for the podcast. Hope you tuned into the games over the weekend. Hope you're able to watch. Uh, still unsure on details as far as if you can listen this weekend. I'm fairly certain that you will be able to um, with me uh, on ucspgouchos.com. But again, stay tuned for more details. All right. That'll do it. Go Gauchos, and um, maybe we'll see you in Arizona.